Okay. Uh, we have we have two um, other things before we we start the sermon. Uh, one is Bud has offered to read a Christmas poem that he wrote, and so he's going to come up and um, and he's going to read, and then we'll do Advent after his uh, after his Christmas poem. Thank you. Yes. As I sat in here, I noticed that nobody put a star on the tree. Many years ago, I wrote this. And it says, it's called a star, oh yes. So bright starlight, you shone day and night, and never once did you grow dim. Nor again did you shine since the dawning of time, but when you led the whole world to him. You were sent down to a quiet little town to light just a manger and hay. And there just inside did a wee babe abide while you shone the whole world away. Now some people claim it was a comet that came, but it wasn't a real star at all. And some people say that it just looked that way. You really didn't light up that stall. But if that were true, and it really wasn't you, how could this story prevail? The story wouldn't be our Savior's history. It would be just a comet's tale. And so, my dear friends, as my story ends, believe a star did come to Earth, and it did light the way to a stable that day and proclaim our dear Savior's birth. It did not just pass by way up in the sky. We know that star did descend. And that is why we put a star on our tree so that its story will never end. <laughs> Rocky and Angelica are gonna come read Advent for us. And then oh, I'll get the mic for you guys again. Uh, and then we'll start. Hey, guys. Advent number four. Isaiah 9, 6. And he should be called Prince of Peace. Because the mercy of God is very tender, heaven's dawn is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and death's shadow, and to guide us to the path of peace. Peace with God through Jesus, the Messiah, who is the Lord of all creation. And Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you will have peace of heart and mind. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but cheer up for I have overcome the world. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like peace the world gives. So don't be afraid. God's peace is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will give your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust Jesus, Christ Jesus. As we light the fourth candle this morning, let us take time this morning to submit our whole lives, heart, soul, mind, and strength to the loving rule of the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> Exciting. Will you pray with me and then we will open the word. But Father, as we come this Sunday morning to this place, 
God, I pray that we will have eyes to see and ears to hear again. Over and over again this year, I've been praying for a vulnerability that I'll have um, a heart that's vulnerable to being compassionate, to letting others in. Um, And as we come to the end of the year, God, I pray that um, in ways that maybe uh, we have kept ourselves from being filled with your light and your wisdom, um, being led where you've directed us, God, I I pray that as we close this year and and ultimately as we celebrate when you came and you were born in very simple surroundings, God, that we would let in the revolutionary reality of that and just be excited. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, when it comes to Christmas time, there's always been two questions that have puzzled me. Um, the first being, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, the first is uh, confusing because um, you don't really know how much money they have to spend on you. Um, if it's Bill Gates asking, that's one thing. Uh, you know, if it's your, you know, five-year-old nephew asking, it's another thing. Um, one, you'll probably ask for a nice drawn picture. The other one, you'll probably ask for a house or something of that nature. Um, the other question that has always confused me, and this is what you, uh, you get after Christmas, not before. Um, after Christmas, when people are rummaging through their loot and texting one another, calling one another, ask each other the questions, uh, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Um, As a child, obviously, it's probably more common uh, than... Though, I I think you hear the questions they'll ask. Like, if someone's dating and they want to get engaged, and they're like, their friends are like, did you get what you wanted? (laughs) (laughs) You kind of know what you anticipate... Uh, what your heart is set on, the extent to which if a gift is given, you'll be satisfied, right? Um, I think all of us have had our heart set on something, whether it's for a birthday or for Christmas, and, and you, you rip open the package only to find not <laughs> what your heart was set on, right? And, and the awkward pain of trying to conjure a smile <laughs> when you, you don't get what you were hoping for. Um, so what do you want for Christmas, and did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Um, you know, as I, as I considered these two questions, and literally this has been something I've been thinking about for weeks, not because I've, I've been writing a list of things that I wanted for Christmas, though if you do want to know, I can give it to you um, later. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, you, you know, I've been thinking about these things because it, it really has to do with like what, what we anticipate, what we hope for, where our desire lies. And, um, and is Jesus, is Jesus a gift that we're satisfied at Christmas time? And I'm not, I'm not asking this because he isn't satisfying, but because uh, is that where our hope lies? Um, is that where our hope lies? Because if that's not where our hope lies, no matter how often we speak about 
the word became flesh and dwelt among us and the power of that that real event that happened in history I could I could talk about it till I'm blue in the face but unless that is what you know is your salvation what you hope for what you want what you need it doesn't make any difference right <laughs> It's going to be like, oh, that's a nice story. And so we're going to look today at at a couple unsuspecting people in the Bible who who got the gift of Jesus and how it did transform them. Um, And hopefully, as we we talk about this, man, my prayer for each one of us is that we um, we will want him this Christmas season. So if you have a Bible... Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 8 through verses 20. Luke chapter 2, 8 verses through 20, reads like this. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Okay, we're going to just pause the story there for a second. Um, So shepherds, kind of ordinary folk, right? Um, Angels, not so ordinary folk, right? Like, (laughs) during... Christmas time, angels are staple, right? I mean, you see them everywhere, uh, but angels aren't that typical of things to see, correct? I mean, like the real deal. Uh, I was imagining, you know, so people put stars on Christmas trees. Sometimes they put angels on Christmas trees. And what if a child was like, what is that? Right? It's a human being with wings on, right? You wouldn't be like, come on, it's an angel. You've seen this before. No, you wouldn't. Why? Because, because an angel truly is something extraordinary, okay? And this is something, the Bible takes angels for granted, right? So it doesn't pause and go like, okay, angels are these majestic, heavenly beings that when they come down, they're going to freak you out because you don't know if they're going to kill you or bring you good news, okay? Like, that's an angel. And so, so the angel comes, and rightly so, it says the shepherds are terrified, and this just shows, I think, how we become inoculated to the Christmas story because we're like, oh yeah, angels, they came, the shepherds. <laughs> but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. <laughs> I was actually, you know, I think about these servants throughout the week as I'm, as I'm preparing for them. I was like lying in bed one night, like what if angels just showed up? <laughs> what, what would you do? <laughs> It would be scary enough if Nate burst in my room and was like, the glory of the Lord, right? But if, if an angel did that in my room, that would be a different story because I don't have a lot of familiarity with angels showing up. And so thankfully, I'm spitting a lot. Sorry. If any of you are disturbed by that. Um, so, so, the angel shows up, and thankfully, the first thing he says is, or it says, is don't be afraid. 
Because this is just a night of work for a couple guys in a field. They weren't expecting anything. And all of a sudden, some angels show up. Well, an angel first. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest. So one angel's awesome. But now he has this, this whole choir of angels singing. <laughs> when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I'm sure that was after just a, a large moment of silence. <laughs> So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Glory to God in the highest. There's a couple of things I want, to, I want to talk about. We're going to be pretty brief this morning, but there's a couple of things I want, to, I want to point out just about what the angels said to these unsuspecting shepherds. Um, really, the scene sets, says most of what's uh, being communicated. The scene of simple people in a field not expecting Angels to come. And it says when they were done, the angels, it says just they went back to heaven. <laughs> right? So these, these individuals who are completely unaware of what's going on. And, and, I, and I, I'm grateful for this story because regardless of how good a year has been, how hard a year has been, I come to Christmas and I'm, I am those guys. <laughs> right? Sitting in a field, just unsuspecting, right? Not really anticipating much, just hanging out. And, and what we need is we need the angel proclamation somehow to be breathed life again by the Holy Spirit and for us to hear what these Angels are saying to these unaware, maybe not necessarily caring before the angels come people, okay? Um, and so their, me- their message is simply this. Do not be afraid, for I bring good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The first thing they bring, it just says, is good news, Good news of great joy for all the world because today a Savior has been born. Later on in the life of Jesus, um, actually as he's standing before Pilate um, to be crucified, 
Pilate simply says this to him. He says, so I heard you're a king. And Jesus says to him in reply, he says, you're right, I'm a king, for in fact, this is the reason I was born. And for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So, what we get here, and this is extraordinarily beautiful, when Jesus, at the end of his life, as he's kind of begin walking in his identity as God throughout his life. Uh, and, and what you find here is he says, this is the reason why I was born. This reason I came into the world is, is when the angels proclaimed to these shepherds the coming of the Savior. Literally, this is what they're saying. And Jesus references this later. He says, I came into the world. So God, who is, Nate was talking about earlier, God who was eternal, creator, sovereign over all things, the good news is that he has descended and invaded earth, right? And, and there's no way to say this other than, wow, the, the whole message of Christmas is that God became a baby, right? And was proclaimed to people who didn't care before the angels said it, probably. And so we're, we're in the same predicament, you see, that, that as we look at the story itself, do we really see in that creator God becoming baby? Last night I was, I was reading the news before I went to bed. Not always a good thing to do before you go to bed. Um, there's a story from National Geographic that said the, the five uh, most celebrated scientific findings of the year. One of these scientific findings was that our, uh, our rover on Mars, uh, called appropriately Curiosity, um, discovered what appeared to be possibly a lake. Okay? And, and this is something that if they find something that's possibly a lake... It's exciting. And, and so it found a, a, a possible lake from three billion years ago, which possibly had life. Okay? And so there's a lot of variables going into this, obviously. Um, this is one of the most brilliant scientific findings of this last year. Why? Well, well, this is the reason. Because it says this, the discovery has revived. And this is, I'm just reading the article. The discovery has revived a sometimes debated, often dismissed theory called panspermia, which is that since the essential chemicals for life aren't all available to us here on Earth, they had to come from somewhere else, okay? I'm just trying to... I'm simplifying this for myself. Maybe some of you are brilliant scientists. Um, but, but basically, uh, our RNA, which is essential for us to have life, can't develop in water. We have a lot of that here. So it had to come from somewhere else, okay? So, so the thought is it just came down from Mars, okay? And it's like, where are you going with this? Okay, well, track with me. Because this is what the article says. It says, this is so exciting, but the problem is that if it came to Earth, it probably would have died. So, you know, like, that's where the article ends, okay? And so that's exciting for us. Why? Because these guys who literally, they get their, their whole career in science is setting origins of life. This is what he says. He says, basically, we went looking on Mars because the origins of life options on Earth just aren't looking very good. 
right? This, this guy, that, that's what he does, right? Studies chemistry and origins of life. He goes, the reason why we're looking on Mars is because the origins of life here aren't very good. And, and we found a dry lake from possibly three billion years ago on Mars. And, and we get excited about this stuff. But we come to Christmas, and what's exciting? Well, what do you want for Christmas? Did you get what you wanted? And here, just staring us in the face, staring us in the face has been a story faithfully told for thousands of years, saying God invaded earth with one message of good news to all people, shepherds, kings, everyone in between, saying, I'm here to restore your relationship with God. And yet we're like, a dry lake on Mars! Right? And, and yet when we come to Christmas, we're not like, crazy, God came down and was born as a baby. And, and so still we ignore it. Still we avoid it. Why? And I, I think that's the question that I'm yelling about right now. Right? It, is the, I don't get what's going on in my heart, and I don't get what's going on in your heart, why we avoid it. Okay? Why when we come to Christmas year after year after year, it does not mean anything to us. Right? Why? You know, there's that old U2 song that says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I was thinking about that as I, as I come to Christmas, and Christmas every year is like hitting us over the head. Jesus! <laughs> right? And yet we don't we don't care. What made these shepherds care? Well, these shepherds started caring because angels showed up and in the dark of the night and just said, He's come. Jesus has come. And so they went to check it out. And the story ends so simply. In verse 20, it says, The shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all these things they had heard and seen comma, which were just as they had been told. And this is what we find over and over again. When, when the, the word speaks, we find over and over again, it's just as it has been told. It's just as it has been told. And the Bible is still speaking. And it's still coming true. And the truth is still there. That if you come to believe in the Son of God, who was born as a baby grew up in nowhere, Nazareth, offered his life in somewhere Jerusalem for our sins and was raised to life again, that that is the hope that remains for us. I think one of, one of the issues for us is, is this, the difference between self-discovery and revelation. So most of us, we spend our whole lives trying to discover things ourselves. The difference between self-discovery and revelation is this. Revelation is known only through relationship. Okay? There's things about me that you can know if you study my blood. <laughs> Please don't. That'd be weird. Um, there, there's things you, you can know about me. Maybe if you read, uh, you know, some, somebody writes something about me. You could go back to when I was in high school and people you know, did articles on my running, right? And you can read something like that, and you can get to know something about me, right? But the, the bulk of who I am, you can only know if you get into a relationship with me, right? 
And so many of us only want to know God through self-discovery. Only what I can do. Only what I can know through science or archaeology or all these things. And yet, we, we can only know God through revelation. Okay? And that's hard. It's a stumbling block. In, in Corinthians, it says this. And just, just track with me. It says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who would believe. Jews demanded miraculous signs and Greeks looked for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block, to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, all people, this good news is for everybody, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called, and sisters, When God's calling you, think of what you were. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly, shepherds. And he chose the despised and the things that that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And that's one of the challenges of the Christmas story is you find nothing in the Christmas story to boast about other than the revelation that this is God. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that is essentially the Christmas story. It's not something that you can come about by self-discovery. It's not something that you you can come about even by all your wishes being fulfilled, all your private personal wishes. Even if you had everything you wanted materially, right? You would still be Lacking in what only his revelation can provide for you, right? And he is saying over and over again, whenever you stop and listen, make yourself vulnerable. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. And that is an absolutely beautiful thing. So, there's this awesome old quote, by a guy named C.S. Lewis. And he says this, he says, aim for heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim for earth and you will get neither. And so, uh, my hope for us this Christmas season is um, as we aim for heaven, right? As As we pray and plead, that we, who I think even sit here so unsuspecting, 
right, who maybe once I pray, the first thing you think about is where you're going to go eat lunch, which is important, but not as important, (laughs) not as important, not as important as us realizing that the story of Christmas is true and that God did send his son into the world to save us and to call us back into relationship with himself. That is true. So let the biggest discovery of your year not be a dry lake on Mars. But let the biggest discovery of your year be, again, that the story that we share every year is true and it is good. And that you'll plead with God, reveal more of yourself to me because I need that. I need that to live. So what we're going to do in response to this is I'm going to light the last Advent candle because we won't do that on Christmas Eve. We'll be partying with about 300 people in this room. Um, sharing the light of Jesus to this world of Bremerton. Um, So I'm going to light the candle just to represent, again, that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world who came to show us that God is interested in us. (laughs) And he wants to restore us to relationship with himself. Guys, believe that. And let that be your joy this Christmas. We're also going to respond by taking communion. As Jesus shared in John 18, right, he says, this is the reason why I've came. This is the reason why I was born, right, that men can see truth, the truth that by his blood and by his body, we can be restored to relationship with God. So as you take communion today, that's part of the Christmas story. So pray with me, we'll light the candle, and we'll worship. God, I, I ask that, uh, that all of us will feel permission to just get giddy over your story. Um, I think of Mary treasuring up all these things in her heart. She sees these shepherds who are like, yeah, the angels told me. And, uh, and, and she holds on to these things and doesn't exactly know what to do with them because it seems like it's too much. It's too much to understand, too much to ask for. That, that God came in the person of Jesus Christ. May we not get distracted by lesser things this Christmas. May we fall in love with you more and more and more. I pray these things in Jesus' very powerful name. Amen.